when we talk about building community, we talk about, again, I said earlier, those authentic relationships, you know, learning about the parents, learning about the family, learning about the child and understanding how we can help in that regard. And when you understand somebody's motivation and you understand their, their why or why they're in your door, I think you can really take steps to understand, all right, here's their problem. And now here's how we can solve it. And then we have to follow through. Because the way you build trust with people is you do what you say, mm. you know what I mean? So th th that's a really big thing. And, and I think that our um, nearly 12 years of success is built on we've done what we said we're going to do, and we've done it the right way that really connects with people. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Conversations from the Hearth. Today, we are joined by Master Kevin Nevels uh, with Championship Martial Arts. He's got three schools up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Master Nevels, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome. Gentlemen, gentlemen thank you all so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be uh, here today, and, and hopefully we'll have a great conversation. Yes, sir. Yes. So to kind of introduce my students a little bit to you, and then I kind of want you to tell us a little bit more. I met uh, Master Nevels, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I don't know, about a, maybe about a month ago, went up there uh, to his school to do a seminar uh, with, uh, with uh, Professor Sorcy, or I'm uh, sorry, Guru Sorcy is what he goes by, and uh, it was great, and I got to see these awesome locations. You have three schools, right, sir? And yes, sir. A lot of students clearly doing something right, so I was like, yeah, we got to get this guy on the show so he can tell us how to make a community as strong as his because um, clearly he knows what he's doing mm. but master nevels let's get started can you tell us a little bit about how you got introduced to the martial arts and you know how did you go from you know doing martial arts to running your own school and a quite successful school at that yeah. um well yeah so uh i don't know i, I think I, I hear this story quite a bit but i had a friend come to uh school one day and he was like he said kevin you got to come, you got to come check this out. I'm doing karate classes at the, you know, the local gym. And I was like, well, I kind of like Ninja Turtles. That sounds like a cool thing. Let's, uh, let's kind of get going with that. So he showed me a couple moves on the playground. I went home, asked my parents like, Hey, can I go try this? And that was 1993 and pretty much been involved in martial arts in some way or another ever since. And a couple little gaps there when we moved from Mississippi to Texas and stuff like that. Kind of fell out of training for a little bit, but it was really uh, 2001. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 2002. Uh, I had graduated from high school and done a year of community college and uh, was kind of bored. A, a good friend of mine was like, hey, I'm starting up uh, Taekwondo classes. I know you did it when you were a kid. You know, would you be interested in getting back into it? And I've been doing it now for 20 straight years. And uh, so it's it's been an absolute blessing. I thank that friend every day for uh, you know, for reminding me, you know, about my, my involvement in martial arts when I was a child. And, and so, uh, you know, really fell back into it and became a passion and uh, a passion turned into a career path. And um, I think that's the coolest part is that, you know, because we have three locations is, you know, not only have we been able to inspire uh, many generations, as I call them, you know, about every three to five years, you have a generation of martial arts groups is the way I look at it. Not only have we we've been able to teach generations of, of martial artists now, but um, we've been able to provide career opportunities and paths 
for our students as well to become chief instructors, program directors, and really kind of set them on a career path of martial arts as well. And I think that's one of my greatest achievements is, you know, I love teaching and I love giving back, but providing a pathway for others to uh, be able to follow their dream and their passion has, has been one of my, my life's most rewarding things I've been able to be associated with. So it's kind of a little bit of background about me. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that immediately immediately impressed me about you when I first met you was how personable you are. And especially as a master instructor, you, you seem very friendly with your students and your families. You know, that's, I wish it was more common, but sometimes you get those master instructors that are very standoffish to kind of hold you at arm's length. And the reason I think why a lot of masters do that is it's a little bit easier to lead that way, you know, kind of preaching as opposed to getting in there and doing. And I have to say that I was impressed, you know, when I did the seminar, you were doing it right there with me. And that's the kind of leadership that I'm always trying to inspire my students with. And that's the kind of community that I'm always building where, you know, I, I, I take a bit of an active role in that community because I want to be a part of it because I feel like mm -hmm. we built one of the best communities around and it's a community that I really want to be a part of as well. Um, so I, I could just tell immediately that you were that kind of a person and, and it was very inspiring. And you're a little bit further on down the path than us. You know, we about 120 students. So we're, we're still kind of getting started. We're only five years old at this point. And we had to go through that COVID pandemic and that really put us on our heels for a little while. But, um, you know, 700 students, three locations. I mean, this is awesome. How did you build such a strong community? What are some of your, your strategies that you employ? Well, uh, you know, th th that's a great question. And, and I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much uh, for that. Just, uh, you know, I, I, I very, very firmly believe that you need to build authentic and real relationships with people. Mm -hmm. um, I think people are smart enough nowadays where, I don't know, back in the past, I think that that whole militaristic, like, you know, I'm the leader, you do what I say, and, and you know, I'm the authority. Um, I think that those days have kind of passed us in terms of martial arts. You know, people are smart. They've got they're connected around the world. They see the way that other people can lead and teach martial arts just in a virtual world. So I want to bring that authenticity to every school that we have, every class that we have, every interaction that we have with every student. And what I really want is when, when a parent comes into our schools and they have a problem, and, and, and typically that's why, you know, very rarely is somebody walking down the street and they're like, oh, martial arts class. I want to go try that right now. You know, like it, it's usually what's going on in their lives? You know, uh, are they having an issue with confidence? Are they having an issue with discipline with their child? You know, is there a physical fitness component? Do they have uh, health issues? You know, something like that typically will drive them into our doors. So we need to be active listeners. We need to make sure that we're really honing into how we can help and understanding the scope and the role that we can help. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, there've been people that have brought their kids in and, you know, it was something that was a little bit too beyond, you know, that what, what we could do. And so we would try to recommend them, you know, like to go to a professional or something like that in terms of like a medical professional. But, you know, if it's something with comp competence, discipline, physical fitness, you know, we can help in that. And, and I think that we can help in a way that builds people up. And I think, I don't think that you can build people up if you've got that standoffish, you know, authoritative, you know, type of personality. So um, when we talk about building community, we talk about, again, I said earlier, those authentic relationships, you know, learning about the parents, learning about the family, learning about the child and understanding how we can help in that regard. And when you understand somebody's motivation, 
and you understand their what their why or why they're in your door i think you can really take steps to understand all right here's their problem and now here's how we can solve it and then we have to follow through because the way you build trust with people is you do what you say mm. you know what i mean so th th that's a really big thing and and i think that our um nearly 12 years of success is built on we've done what we said we're going to do and we've done it the right way that really connects with people mm -hmm. yes sir yeah um, it sounds like it um so we're you know i've been trying to build my community for the last five years and i have to say there's been ups and downs and but it's something i'm very passionate about and i really want to have a strong community um but you know sometimes as we get older we get kind of stuck in our ways and isolated and you know some of the parents they the only people they hang out with are i'm not trying to be rude or anything but it seems like they're their kids and their family and they never really go out and do things with other people and so it can be sometimes hard getting those parents to get like roped into the school and say hey yeah you can come in and we can go to this event together um we had a lot we did a lot of things over the last you know, few years like going to amusement parks and all these things together uh movies whatever and they were kind of hit and miss and i felt like i was kind of dragging people to these events that they didn't really want to go and then certain events we did were like whoa that really worked like our holiday party was was a big it was a big event right from the first time we ever did it and it seems like there are certain things you can do that are really approachable um that that people want to do and there's certain things you can do that don't work so well and you have a lot of experience in this. So what are some of the events that you've hosted over the years that seem to really work? Well, uh, it's so funny that you say holiday party. Holiday party is one of our big events as well. So it sounds like we're both doing, you know, kind of the right things on that. Um, you know, we're really big in, uh, I'll kind of speak on our holiday party a little bit. Uh, we're big into having activities for the whole family to be able to, to participate in. Luckily, we live in Texas. So usually around the holiday time, it isn't too cold yet or anything like sure. that. So, you know, a big thing that we do at our holiday party is we try to have like a big draw. So we'll have, we'll rent like an obstacle course bounce house or something like that. Or we'll have our, um, we have Kona ice here, which is like, a, a, you know, a snow cone truck. And, you know, depending on the location kind of, kind of determines what we can and can't do, you know, depending on the size of the parking lots and, and how willing our landlords are and stuff like that. But, uh, having that big activity that kids can go burn off energy is really big. Um, you know, we do uh, cookie decorating. Uh, we do, uh, we, we have uh, games that are going on throughout that entire event. Um, you know, we make sure food, uh, I think anytime that you can build an event around food and fellowship is always a really big deal. So, um, you know, we, we, we try to provide food at those types of events. Uh, I think that those are big hits, um, you know, but Again, it is all about building that community. Uh, a big thing that we also do that's really successful are our anniversary parties. Uh, so the anniversary of our school opening is May 3rd. So we typically somewhere around end of April, beginning of May, we have an anniversary party. And we like to go do that at a, at a, a community park. And so what we'll do, like in the past, we've done, we've rented popcorn machines, you know, hot dog warmers, and we've done a potluck style dinner where we or a, a lunch where we get together. We ask like, Hey, beginners, if you guys will bring a side item, you know, uh, black belts, you guys bring a dessert and, you know, we all come together. We have a great martial arts workout. Uh, you know, we go hang out, um, you know, do a fun class together. And then we, we like to do it in a park because there's usually playground equipment. Um, and we've even done it a couple of years where we do our water gun wars, kind of depending on, you know, when it is. So we've done, had a big water gun battle and, and stuff like that. So 
I think any time that you can make it fun and exciting, you know, to be able to get together, it, you know, the kids are going to be the drivers. I know in our community, whatever kids are involved in, the parents are going to be there, right? So if we can get the kids excited about coming and being involved in an event, um, you know, you have those parents that'll come along and then we have those interactions with the parents. And then that's how we start really building community because, you know, maybe they see somebody like at their school, but then they see them at the martial arts school. So they're like, oh, our kids have a common connection. And so we can talk about martial arts. How has it benefited? You know, how long have you been with the school? You know, yada, yada. Um, the, I think the, the hard part is, is that like when you have your classes broken up, like beginners, intermediates, advanced, black belts, sometimes you may have somebody who's a higher rank and a lower rank, and there's no connection there because they come at different class times. So providing more opportunities for them to get together and see each other uh, just goes to strengthen those connections outside of the martial arts school. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's something that it's easier said than done. You know, you try to bring the, even the kids sometimes, you know, I'll have a kid who's been in my school for like four years and there'll be another kid who's been in my school for four years. And I'll say, uh, you know, Johnny. And they're like, who's Johnny? I'm like, you know, yeah. Johnny, Johnny's been training next to you for like four years. How do you not know Johnny? And, and sometimes they didn't even know my name. <laughs> you know, that, that happens. It's, it's unbelievable. But, um, it's really important because it's good for them because the if they have a strong friendship here at the school, they'll want to come back to train, not just when they want to train, but like everyone, they'll go through some lulls. And if they have a friend at the school, they'll go back to see their friend, you know? And so that's why it's so important, that community building, I feel like. Um, you are absolutely right. And one thing I'll say is, you know, especially if your students are listening, is a lot of people think that I'm going to use my, try to get my finger here on the screen. A lot of people think the journey to black belt is this, this straight line, right? And what they don't understand is that all of us have had a journey that's kind of like this, where it's, it's, it's up and it's down, and, but we're gradually going up that, that, that slope, right? And I mean, even in my 20 plus year career of doing martial arts, um, you know, running schools, you have those ups and those downs. But really the strength of martial arts is, trust me, like the art is, is very important and the way you train and, and your methodology and stuff is very important. But it's also who you surround yourself with. And, you know, when you're, when you're training and like you haven't seen Johnny in two weeks and, you know, and it prompts you to maybe send him a message on social or, you know, or, or just, you know, send him a, a text and just say, Johnny, I hadn't seen you in a little bit. Where are you? That, that's so powerful. And, you know, we do a lot of that on the school owner side, just for, you know, trying to make sure that we stay connected with individuals in our school. You know, we, we have, uh, you know, text automations, emails, stuff like that. And then we have our actual list where we, we see who hasn't been in and we get on the phone and we call people and we want them to know that like, hey, look, we miss you here. We want to make sure that you're, you're continuing along that journey. It's one thing if an instructor does it, but if you have a, a peer or someone that's in your class that does it, that's really, really powerful. So having that ac accountability to your training partners, that, that's what I love to call our students is when we're in class, our training partners, because they really do help us get better. And it is a partnership. And, you know, it, it's a, I think that you only get as good as the people you surround yourself with. And so if your training partners are constantly pushing you, not just for accountability for showing up to class, but training you and pushing you in class, that really goes to strengthen those bonds to even make a tighter community within your classes. Yeah, yeah, sure. absolutely. So another thought that I've had over the years is, okay, well, what makes a great community event? And 
like I said, <laughs> I've done so many things. I had my school here for five years, but I had a school before I, I started when I was 18. So I've done community events for many, many years. And some things seem to work better with different demographics, you know, like the, the college students versus the, the families and all that kind of stuff. But one thing seems to be true. If you can center it in a place where people can come and go, but there's like activities to do, that seems to be the best. I mean, it sounds like you're, your anniversary is kind of like that. Your holiday party is kind of like that. Like we do, we have a, a trunk or treat that we do, which is also mm -hmm. quite good. They're, they're good in different ways. That one's good for reaching out to people we have no idea who they are. We just want to get free candy, you know, that, and that's good for like kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good for the parents too. We do, uh, we do a costume. Who doesn't love free candy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do a costume contest and we do a trunk contest, you know, the best trunks. There's some community building there as well. Holiday parties always dynamite. Um, we do a, a cookout in the summer. We do a camping trip. What are some of the things that you've done? Have you done a camping trip before? I've never done a camping trip before. Uh, so that's very interesting. Uh, it, uh, so we may have to talk, we may have to get into the camping trip a little bit, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, we've never done anything like that before. Um, what I will say, though, is like one thing that we try to do is we have an amazing community just in general, like with our city. They are our, our city is very involved with, you know, trying to provide uh, opportunities for fellowship just within the community as a whole. So one thing that we've really worked on over the past decade is developing a really strong relationship with our city, our school districts and our chamber of commerce to make sure that no matter what events are going on around town, that we have an opportunity to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I definitely think that, you know, when you talk about your trunk or treat, that's a really big thing for us because one of our missions is that we want to try to spread the, the positive message of martial arts through as, to as many people as we absolutely can. And community outreach is a big part of that. I think that internal events are important because you know you want to take care of your people you want to show that you appreciate your people but you also want to you know have those arms open to new opportunities for people to come in and 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 be a part of that and you know some people will say like oh you know you're just trying to grow your business and stuff like that well i mean that is part of it is i mean we do have a business and it is a, it is a balance there but i i strongly believe my mission still hasn't changed is that i want to change people's lives through martial arts and the only way you can do that is to go out and get in front of people. So, you know, we try to do a, a lot of fun things at our community booths, like when we're out and about in town. Um, we have a, a, one of those, uh, it's not a bob, you know, you, you guys, you guys seen the bobs, right? The, the humanoid person with no arms that is very intimidating. Well, we use a, um, we use the smaller version. It's called the Bully Billy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're a big fan of Bully Billy. We, we slap a t-shirt on him that says, uh, hit me 20 times in 10 seconds uh, to win you know, free martial arts classes or, or something like that. Yeah. And so we don't even like, you know, some people think that like, oh, when you go to community events, you're like, you know, kind of like catcalling people like, hey, come on over here and stuff. We don't have to do anything. We just stand out there and we let the t-shirt do the talking for us. <laughs> and people just, people just come up to us automatically. And what that does is it eases it because we have a fun event for the kids to do. So they can come up and, and punch the, the billy. And then we tell them, oh, you just won two free weeks of martial arts. And all I need is your, your name, phone number, and email. And they're like, oh, really? That's it? Um, we went to an event one time. Uh, it was really cool. It was 
three elementary schools that came together and they were putting on a community event. Uh, we had, we, we were able to collect 60 names uh, for people to come try martial arts. And out of that 60, we had about 40, 35, 40 people that actually came and took advantage of the free class. And we were able to get several new students off of that. And to me, that is, is hugely valuable because that's 60 new people that had a positive interaction with somebody that does martial arts. So maybe if now is not the right time, maybe later on, maybe when schedule clears up or, you know, home life settles down or whatever it is, they, they'll remember us. And hopefully they remember that positive interaction that we had. We had 35 to 40 people actually come in and do class, uh, you know, and, and actually, you know, take advantage of that. And then out of that, I think we wound up getting like 15, 20 long-term students from that as well. So, you know, that, that was just such a, a great infusion of, of new students, new energy, new ideas, new thoughts, uh, you know, into martial arts. And trust me, when you get new people in that school, that excitement is palpable. And, and I know my instructors love that because you get that raw feeling of just, I want to learn, I want to soak it all in. So, you know, uh, that's a big motivation for us. But, you know, just something as simple as we've done uh, board breaking at community events. We've done spin the wheel to win, you know, free prizes and stuff. We've done the, you know, the the bully billy. That's a that's a big one for us. Uh, the bully billy is one of the most popular ones, you know, by far because anybody can come up and just punch something, you know, for ten yeah. seconds and see what they get. So, you know, we find that those ways um, are really, really. It, it allows us to build a relationship quickly because, you know, I, I kind of talked earlier about, you know, trying to hear, you know, the, you know, those issues of why somebody uh, might be coming in. So when I tell somebody like, oh, you just won two free weeks of martial arts, I get a lot of, well, you know, we've been thinking about Johnny doing martial arts because of, you know, uh, you know, they kind of lacking a little self-confidence or, oh man, he's a wild child. We need something to kind of help him focus his energy and stuff. So we're able to bridge those conversations very easily because we're not out there trying to be like a carnival barker, trying to attract people in. It, we can just be very organic and people come in. That's awesome. You know, we do a lot of that too. That was actually how I built my business from the ground up because you know, for the first year, I don't think I got a single phone call. I don't think a single person walked to my door. Every single person that came in, I went to a festival. I did a, a little class where they broke a board. And then I signed them up for a free trial lesson and they came and they tried out my program. And if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had any students. Um, but, you know, if they're not coming to you, you got to go to them. And it, it's, it's incredibly effective. We, we do a, a board breaking kind of routine where we, we teach them how to break a board, they break a board. It sounds like you've done that in the past too. We haven't done the Billy, uh, Billy the Bully. That's a great idea. We'll have to, have to look into that. I will say we just went to one on Saturday. We did a marathon. We have, Every class next week has a new student coming to it, so that's good. That's awesome. No, just and again, you're you're spreading the word. You're spreading the the greatness of martial arts. So that that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, have you done a uh, board breakathon? So we, we've done board breakathons in the past. Um, so uh, this is probably seven eight years ago. We've done uh, board breakathons. We teamed up with like other schools in the area. And we actually did kind of like a big event type of thing. We had like seven or eight schools in our area that's outside of our, our three schools. This is before we had the other two. But um, to partner up because we wanted to just raise money for local charities and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I'm actually, this is sometimes it's kind of a controversial thing, but I'm not like 
intimidated or scared about making relationships with competitors in the martial arts per se. Um, I actually like to know who my competitors are because, um, and I say competitors because the real competitors of martial arts are like baseball and soccer and stuff like that. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. and so for me, it's I like building relationships with with my competitors. I'll keep finger quoting that mm-hmm. um, because there may be a situation where I can't serve their needs that they're specifically looking for. You know, they may have like a specific style in mind or something like that. So I want to be able to if I don't offer what they provide, I want to be able to get to them to a person that I know and I trust mm-hmm. uh, because that's how much I value the the idea of someone just being involved in martial arts is I don't want to send them to a bad school or I don't want to, you know, not know anybody. And then they just happen to wind up in a bad school and they just get a bad taste about martial arts in general. I I think I I value martial arts training so much because I know what it did for me. You know, it took a kid that was lacking a little bit of confidence and, you know, a a little bit of self-esteem and taught me that, wow, I've got a lot that I can offer. I've got a lot of a lot of stuff in here that I can just get out. And, and I credit martial arts for a lot of my outgoing personality because it taught me I can be confident in myself and who I am as a person. Yeah. And I can go out there and share that with the world. I want every you know, man, woman, child that ever comes through my door, whether it's through me or through someone else, experience that level of, of growth through martial arts. Yeah. That's, that's very admirable. And I totally agree with you. I think it kind of comes out of this. Do you remember back in the day where we were karate and taekwondo? We were like, well, if the, like we hated each other, you know, or that's what my master would tell me, you know, and, and if we ever fought each other, the taekwondo guys would kill the karate guys. I'm sure the karate instructor over there was saying, if we ever fought each other, we killed the taekwondo guys. And there was such rivalry back in the day. Um, And I'm glad that some of that is, has gone by the wayside. There's still some, obviously, but we were kind of moving past that. But I still see a lot of um, rivalry amongst instructors, like, you're going to take my students, so I can't be your friend. And it's kind of like uh, coming from a place of insecurity, I feel like. And if you're truly confident, you should reach across and, you know, and, and shake their hand and be their friend. And let's be honest, like you said, what is a school with like a, a couple hundred students have on a fitness gym with like 3,000 members or a soccer team with like 30,000 students? You know, I mean, it's just like these are way out of the scope of martial mm-hmm. arts. And so there are true competitors. That's absolutely correct, I feel like. Um, Breakathon, was that a good way to build morale in your school? You know, I, I, I would say so. You know, it, it's any time that and, – and we've done – uh, breakathons. We've done charity five Ks. We've done like uh, we we've done um, uh, kickathons as well. So like however many kicks you do in a certain amount of time, you can raise money that way. Um, uh, you know, I think anything that that you can do that is giving back to the community. Uh, you know, a big thing that we do is that uh, like when we do women's self defense courses, we don't charge for that. Uh, what we do is we incur we we have a recommended women's shelter. And we recommend go make a donation to that instead of giving us money because it's a way for us to to give back. And, and I think that anytime that you're providing time, resources, um, you know, uh, we've done school supply drives, you know, stuff like that. Anytime that you're giving back to your community, I, I really think you're you're living the tenets of a martial artist. And, and so I highly encourage that. And, and we try to make it fun, and we want to we want to you know have a good time doing it. So kickathons, 
I, I think that they do a great, great things in getting the students excited about, uh, you know, participating in something and then you're able to like give back to the community. I absolutely love things like that. Yeah, that's cool. I've heard of kickathons. I've never done one. Um, we were thinking about doing a board breakathon soon. And that's why I had those questions. Do you, do you have the kids sell the boards to make, to make money? Is that how it works at your breakathon? Yeah. So yeah, so basically it's like however many donations they raise, that's how many boards they get to break is is how how we've done it in the past. So, oh, okay. you know, we create those thresholds. So like if you raise 10 bucks, you get, you know, you get a one board. If you raise $25, you get two boards, you know, and, and kind of go up from there. So that way when we look at their donation chart, we know how many boards to give them. And then what we do is we encourage, you know, friends and family to come and cheer them on. And then we have them share those videos on social media. Mm, gotcha. so that that way you know so maybe like grandpa you know grandma or grandpa donated 20 bucks and they have no idea they weren't able to come but they can actually see the kind of the fruits of that and then you know you have them share like oh this is what we did with the money and stuff so now my favorite one is one time we gave a hundred dollars to a hamster rescue um and it's like the biggest donation that they had ever received in the history of their uh, nonprofit. That hundred dollars, like they were like, I have no idea how much lettuce we can buy with a hundred dollars. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's I, I laugh about it because it was kind of comical. But that hundred dollars that we, you know, I think it was like five or six different charities, and that the hamster donation or the hamster rescue reached out to us and they were like, could we be a part of it? And they were so excited. So that's the hamster so rescue. Yeah, we hundred we hundred percent support hamster rescue. Well, that's so true because you know those big, you know, like St. Jude's hospitals, those those big donation centers, they're almost like institutions at this point, you know, where it's like how much of that is really getting to the hamsters, you know? Um, or, or whoever. Maybe that's a bad comparison. But um, like like the hamster rescue is probably like a local local business. Yes. And they really use all that money and they really appreciate that. So um, that's something that would be good to look into. That's a good idea. Um, how about a sidekicks program or some kind of parent teachers, uh, parent teacher student association? Do you have something like that at your school? Um, so, uh, and it sounds like you're referring to like maybe a group of parents that kind of help and contribute and things like that. Yeah, like plan the events, execute the events, help in other ways at the school. So we've actually never gone down that road with anything like that. Uh, which I, I, I've, I've tossed around the idea with my wife. Uh, and But the, the great thing is, is that we always have parents that are willing to step up. And I think that the, the best ways that we utilize our parents are um, we have amazing volunteers that help us with our community events. So um, there's two parades every year in our, in our uh, main community of Coppell, where our big school is. And so we have parent volunteers that will actually come and uh, like I'll go rent the trailer. I actually bought a trailer last year. So now we have a trailer for, uh, you know, for, you know, it was just time. You know, I got tired of renting them, but yeah. you know, they actually assemble the structure for the, uh, the, the float and then parents will come out and decorate them. So we'll have students and parents show up and be a part of the decorating process. And then we have, um, you know, if they can't come decorate, uh, then we ask for parent volunteers to be chaperones. Uh, so we will load the kids up on the float. And we have the parents kind of walk alongside and they'll actually help us hand out flyers and candy and stuff like that to our, uh, you know, uh, to the community members. We also have amazing brave parents that will sit on the float with them for the whole 30, 40 minute uh, ride. Those are the real heroes because they're in there. <laughs> they're in there trying to keep the kids occupied and keep them engaged in that process because, you know, after about mile two, they get a little tired. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. We got to. 
do we have a local parade that we mean to get into it's it's really expensive to do the parade but um we'd we'd, we'd like to mm. we're gonna do that at some point but we're big fans of parades around here luckily our parades are free that our community just wants a big turnout so they don't even charge anything oh, okay. so we, we're very lucky in that regard but um, we couldn't do it without our amazing parents. And uh, I will tell you that any any sort of engagement opportunities where, uh, you know, you can have parents, uh, you know, be involved. Uh, you know, our parents are huge when we travel to tournaments and compete. You know, they're, they're the cheerleaders. Uh, you know, a lot of times the instructors are, you know, judging, at, you know, and trying to make the event a, a successful event. So the parents really show up and they're, you know, I've, I've even seen them. They've made signs and stuff and, you know, very respectfully, but they're, you know, they're, they cheer when it's appropriate and they're encouraging of all the, the competitors. You know, we, we love our, our cheerleading section for, for things like that. Yes, sir. If I can hop in. So hearing about the community events and community building, I am curious about what that looks like in terms of, so you're, you have three schools, right? And so each of these schools is obviously staffed by different teams and different people who are working in conjunction with one another. I'm curious about, you know, as a staff member here at our school, what do what do the opportunities look like for your staff, right? Um, like when you're setting up events, when you're reaching out to the community, when you're working in different capacities with the community, is that a lot of um, coordinating and networking and planning on your end, the school owner, or is that you know are, are you saying okay, team? here's the vision, go, you know, and I'm, I'm curious about the different levels of engagement and involvement with this event planning. Absolutely. And that is a fantastic question because, um, you know, our, our second school opened in 2019. So we're just in coming up on, you know, completing year three of having multiple schools. So it, we kind of had to feel that out in the beginning. And what we found is it's actually a combination of actually what you suggested is, you know, my wife and I are involved in multiple communities, multiple chambers of commerce, you know, multiple school districts, but we're also teaching our staff how to go. So like when we, we're, we're big fans of taking breakfast to elementary schools, no strings attached, no nothing. We'll just bring like, you know, enough breakfast burritos to feed 50 people. And, and we, so we bring our staff along with us. So, you know, and, and we introduce them to the staff. If we have a relationship uh, we try to build that relationship together with them so they know if they deal with us or if they deal with the chief instructor at that location, they know that we're all on the same team. Um, the, I'll just put it out there. The difficult thing about staff members is, is that, you know, as a, as a school owner, you know, we're kind of motivated like, hey, we want to build these relationships. We see the longevity from our business, but painting that picture for the staff members so they can see like, what are the benefits of having this relationship? And the, the biggest ways that we've communicated those benefits is if that school needs something, you want to be at the top of their speed dial list of like, hey, we need help with this. We need a donation for this. We need, uh, you know, help with this event. Oh, hey, somebody backed out. Can you come set up a booth at, at, at this event? And that's happened to all to us because we've developed those relationships and we've spent time, you know, cultivating that relationship. The if you're going to have a young, you know, like like young people, you know, be a big driver of your of your school. Like so if you're going to have elementary age, uh, a lot of elementary uh, elementary age students in your school, 
you have to develop relationships with those local school districts and those local elementary schools. I, I that's just a, a foundation of what we do. So it, it's really showing the team the value of like, here's the benefit, here's how you will benefit as a staff member by having this relationship. And it does take extra work, it does take extra commitment. But every if you ask every one of my staff members, uh, they will tell you it's worth the extra time putting in because you 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 get to be that top of mind person when that school needs something. Uh, just for example, um, one of our schools just established a brand new relationship with a new elementary school. Um, so we got invited to go to a, uh, I can't even remember what the event was, but we were able to set up a table. So uh, what we did was that was on Thursday. And then on Saturday, we actually had a, a 45 minute confidence course. So, you know, a little bit of martial arts training in there, but teaching kids how to stand up tall, how to look people in the eye, how to shake hands, like, a firm handshake, you know, things like that. And what we were trying to do was convey to the parents, like, look, this is what martial arts does. It teaches confidence, uh, you know, and, and this is how we do it. And then this is how we bring in some of the martial arts skills to further enhance that confidence. Um, and you, my team this morning, they were so excited about it because they were able to meet new families. They got new bodies in the school, uh, in our martial arts school. And we actually even got a couple new students out of it as well. So it just just kind of when you're able to reach out and build those connections, it's so satisfying. Well, another issue that I've encountered is you got to be careful who you make the face of your school in those people's minds, because if they leave you tomorrow, then all of those relationships have just kind of fallen apart. And so, you know, like I had, I had one employee who was doing a lot of that stuff for me and then He's no longer an employee. He's a great guy, and I loved having him here. And he's going on to move on to bigger and better things. Uh, uh, no, no, bigger and better, but they also really good things. And um, and you know that was that was a bit of a blow for those relationships that he had started to network with. So, is that an issue that you ever uh, have? Or that's a great question. And, and w the way that we've kind of kind of navigated that is that so at every location we actually have two key members. We have the chief instructor and the program director, and they're both full-time positions. And we encourage, um, uh, you know, relationship building, you know, from the desk side, the program director side, you know, working with the parents and stuff, as well as the relationships with the students on the floor. And so we actually got a big taste of that when we, you know, because everybody started at our central school and then they started to move on. And when we opened up the other schools, so, you know, you're always going to have some of that you know, where did, you know, where did Mr. Davis go? You know, where did, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Lance go? You know, where did Miss Trimble go? You know, like all of these, these people that they built relationships with. And what we were able to kind of tell them is that, you know, oh, they, they're kind of moving up, you know, to, and they're doing their own thing. And they're, you know, they're excited about that. And so there was that level of, of excitement for them because they were moving on to, to other martial arts things. And then we have that natural, we hire a lot of teenagers uh, that are in high school. And then, you know, you have that eventual like, well, we're going to graduate. So then they got to, you know, they got to move on. Right. And, and so, you know, you have some loss as far as that goes. But we think that we think our biggest strength in our martial arts schools is developing relationships with multiple people in the school. So if one person does leave and we bring somebody in, you still have the relationship with this person as well. So, you know, that 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 cog kind of continues to work together. And also uh, beyond that, having a relationship with myself and my wife. Uh, you know, because I, I like to visit to all the schools. I like to teach, uh, you know, some at all the schools. So there's like kind of this 
I don't know, the the <laughs> the emperor in Star Wars kind of came to mind, but like, you know, kind of this overarching, you know, person that's like over these schools. I'm not the emperor, I promise. Uh, but, but, you know, just like, <laughs> but, you know, having that, you know, that, that bigger notion that, oh, you are a, a part of something a little bit bigger. And so, you know, that's why I like to come visit and make sure that people know who I am and stuff like that. Because if another instructor or program director comes in, they know they're still a part of a bigger continuity. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, uh, competitions, um, they can be a great force for bringing together people together. They can also be sometimes divisive when people don't do so well. Um, do you have an intramural competition at your school? Have you done a lot of competitions for your students? Do you have a competition team? I know it's a lot of questions all at once. Thoughts on that? Oh, uh, great question. So um, we were a part of an association kind of at the beginning and um, the association was built around kind of a tournament circuit. So you would have two local tournaments, two national tournaments and stuff. So we were very heavily involved in all of that. When we left our association, we backed off on a lot of tournament and we were able to kind of focus internally on, you know, like making sure that we had the best curriculum developed, you know, really tighten up our training and our skills and stuff. But what we realized was the one thing that we were missing was tournaments. And so we, a couple of years ago, we actually started branching back out and getting back into tournaments. And what we have found is that we actually really don't compete in open tournaments. Um, we're a big fan of, of like, you know, getting involved with certain circuits and like, you know, just where you can kind of compete. And the big thing for me is trust with the other school owners that we're, that we're doing tournaments with and that we're, they're going to do their best to make sure it's a fair competition. Uh, because, you know, when you go to a tournament, uh, an open tournament, you may or may not have good relationships and maybe the relationships that you do have, everybody kind of goes to those open tournaments. So you feel good about it. Um, we just haven't had that experience just in terms of going to open tournament, not that they're bad or anything, but like I said, for me, that integrity piece is good that, uh, you know, when we know that all of the school owners are going to help out and contribute with judging and making sure that the day goes smooth, that we're going to try to be as fair as possible. I will tell you a story. Um, I was supervising a tournament. Uh, it was last, it was about a year ago. It was last March and it was here in Dallas. Uh, and schools from all over the country were a part of that. So I was a ring supervisor. So I was in charge of four rings and I was watching my son was competing. And something happened with the judging where my son actually won and he shouldn't have. And I actually went into that ring and I said, this isn't right. You know, my son didn't win. You, you, we, this, we need to make sure that this is fair. So we, you know, we talked about how to go back and redo that. So it was fair. And every, but every, all of those parents saw me do that. And they, they, they knew that that was my son out there. And so, yeah, so, you know, my son didn't place as well as they did, but we had a ring full of competitors and parents that saw the integrity that was in that event because of that decision I made. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've seen other school owners do that. That's the kind of association that, that like of school owners that I want to be involved in. So, that, you know, for, for me, that, that's the big thing is you find people that you trust that are going to do their very best to make it the best experience as a whole, not just for their individual school owners or uh, their individual school owner students. <clears throat> and that's how you grow in competition. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. That's awesome. And you have oh, a competition to, to, 
Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just realized that you that you were going to ask about the competition team. Um, so what we do is we actually open it up to everyone because we actually encourage you know even white belts to compete. So we don't necessarily have a competition team per se, but a big thing that we do is we will provide uh, training clinics. So like the the Saturdays leading up to it, it'll be like the, the two or three Saturdays kind of leading up to the event. We'll do like forty five minute clinics. So we'll talk about not necessarily teaching you your form but teaching you how to score well with your form. Mm -hmm. And so like the procedure for coming up to the, you know, you know, how to foul, you know, look at the judges in the eye, have that confidence when you come up using your strong voice and stuff, like all those little like tips and tricks that can give you the edge over someone else, uh, you know, sparring strategies, uh, you know, uh, how to, this is, you know, how to get some board breaking reps in and stuff. So you can do the board breaking competition, you know, things like that are, are valuable you know, you come to class to learn your material, but you come to those seminars to learn, you know, all the, the little the little details. And so uh, what we do is basically is like, if you sign up for the tournament, those competition or those clinics are free. If you aren't signed up for the tournament, you can pay $10 to attend those. And then if you sign up, we'll apply that credit towards your tournament entry fee. So it, it's kind of like, you know, if they don't sign up for the tournament, you know, well, you know, you're kind of compensated for your time. But if you do sign up for the tournament, you know, all of that goes to the, the tournament entry fee. So that, that works out really well. That's sure. awesome. That's really cool. Um, Jesse, any final thoughts? I am curious, yes, sir. I'm curious about, so we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the staff members and, and getting staff members involved and the kind of ins and outs of that. I am curious about your experience you mentioned at the very beginning the concept of generations right and and every i think you said three to five years you have a new sort of generation that, that moves through the school and i'm just curious about any stories um, you know do you have if we're keeping with that idea like the alumni that come back uh, every once in a while and say hey you know um Master Neville's, it's it's so and so, and I I just think about high school or elementary school and graduating and going back to your elementary school and saying, you know, I just graduated. You know, thanks for thanks for all this. I'm just curious about any stories you might have uh, of those experiences of students returning either to train or either to just say hello um, and check back in. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I'm really big on the concept of legacy. Is and I I actually I talk to my staff about this is not necessarily your legacy, like, you know, Kevin Neville's legacy. It's what legacy are you leaving behind? What are you instilling in others that you want passed on? And, you know, whether they do martial arts, and I, I, I tell my leadership team uh, and my instructor team this, is whether you decide to make martial arts your career or you go on and you're going to go study, you know, you're going to be a doctor or, you know, whatever that profession is, what lessons can you take in your martial arts and 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 help that be a driver for the rest of your life to me that's really big uh, i'll give you an example of, of one since you asked for a story we had a young man uh he started training with us in year two of our school his mom and daughter came in for a self-defense class that we taught uh they loved the idea they loved you know uh we connected really well signed up the son and the son and the dad actually started taking class and then about three years later, the mom started taking class. The, 
the daughter never started taking class, but we'll forgive her for that. But um, <laughs> but um, what's great is is that we had a, a great relationship uh, with with that family. Uh, they trained for about uh, six, seven years, and then they kind of dropped off for a little bit, and then mom came back and started training, and then dad kind of ca- came back. He got hurt, so he had to bail out again. But then the son had had come through. He became an instructor. Then he became an employee. He graduated high school. He was a great instructor. Graduated high school, uh, went went to Baylor University, uh, spent a couple years there, figured it uh, wasn't for him. He actually came back to Dallas, went to UTD. And then his last semester of UTD, uh, he started coming around again and wanted to make that connection and was like, you know, you know, hey, I'd, lo- I'd love to kind of start training again, you know, and you're like family at that point. You've been training with me for that long and I know your family. I was like, come on in. To be very honest, I didn't even worry about tuition. Come on in, start training. Let's let's kind of get you back in. Rekindling that relationship turned into an internship. He was looking for an internship for his final semester and he was doing a- an entrepreneurial class. So I was like, hey, come in, you know, like I'm an entrepreneur. We've got this build, you know, this business that we built. Come on in. So he interned for us. That internship actually turned into a full-time job where he's now a program director at one of our schools. And so for me, investing in that relationship with your staff, and it's important that you never burn a bridge. And I teach my staff members this about not burning bridges. I don't want to burn bridges with my students. And if there's any other school owners that, that listen to this, is that it hurts to lose students. Any, anybody who has ever, ever done this knows it hurts to lose students. And, you know, people may not think that, you know, they're like, oh, you know, they're just worried about, you know, you know, getting that billing check and stuff like that. That's, that's not it. We spend a lot of time and effort. You know, I talked earlier about building authentic relationships, right? That takes time. It takes commitment. It takes a personal investment. And when somebody leaves, whether it's on good terms or bad, it still hurts. Yeah. But I always try to make sure that if somebody leaves, it's on good terms. Because if I can have that sto- that unicorn story of somebody coming back and they're able to be a part of, uh, you know, the the company, and they, then now they're able to give back through martial arts with their career, I'm all about that. I want to be a part of that story every time. So, uh, th- is that a good answer to, to oh, your question? That was wonderful. Yes, sir. I just want to jump in there and say that that's the hardest part of this business. I feel like is losing students that you've built a relationship up over, you know, five years and they're one of your best students and they're like family to you and then you, you lose them. And it's, it's, I don't know if all master instructors feel this way, but for me, that's the hardest part of this business. The business is the best job you can have in the world. There are very few drawbacks, but the one thing is losing students. That's really tough. Well, and I'll even comment further to my new program, uh, my program directors and chief instructors that are now experiencing this for the first time when they when they lose someone that they've invested a couple of years in, it hurts. And so they'll come in on our Monday meeting that we do and they're like, oh my gosh, I lost so-and-so. And you can tell they're just heartbroken. And it, it's like, you know, I, you try to tell them, it's like, it, it, it never gets better, but I think you learn how to cope with it a little bit better the longer that you do it. It just, and, and understanding that any any kind of like you know hurt or pain that you feel from somebody losing, if you can channel that into in, into investing into that new student, you know that new generation as we kind of talked about, and, and understanding that you're going to build great relationships with those guys as they come up, 
that's kind of the bright side of it is that you know that there's going to be that next person that'll come in and hopefully you can impact their life in a their lives in a positive way. So that's that's why I try to tell them and encourage them. That's awesome. Um, one last thought, and then we'll let you go. We've taken a lot of time. We really appreciate it. Um, bringing together a community. Of course, our school is a family martial arts school. At the end of the day, our community feels like a family. But sometimes, you know, certain groups don't feel very comfortable with that environment. For example, the teenagers can sometimes be uh, a challenge to hook, right? And so mm -hmm. we're thinking about, you know, maybe doing like a teen event, you know, just for the teenagers to bring them close together because they don't really feel as comfortable at the big family event, you know? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Have you had experience like building like a kind of a, doing some team community events and stuff? And what is your recommendations for building um, that group out? I have four words for you. All right. Teen video game night. Ooh, all right. So, it, so here, and, and we, we've done a couple of these are pretty good. I have a good friend that does these every quarter and hugely successful. So what you do is, is you invite, kind of like a parent's night out, but it's your teenage group only, and it is exclusive only to them. Um, what we do is we charge five bucks to just to cover the pizza that we order, you know, just so we get that. But you can, you know, wh whatever you choose to do on that is completely fine. But they really don't require a lot of babysitting because you invite them to bring their video game systems, they can bring a flat screen TV if they want to. They can bring their handhelds. You know, the Switch is really popular because it's so so flexible. But in all of our schools, we have projectors where we have like our tenants and student oath and our, uh, you know, skill for the, the week that we're working on and stuff. So we plug in the HDMI to that and let them game on a 180-inch projector screen. Uh, we've got a couple of other TVs that we can hook up uh, things to. Uh, we encourage them to bring their, you know, 30 inch TVs and, and we hook them up around the school and we just let them go. And it's a fun, safe, positive atmosphere where they can video game and hang out with their friends and they absolutely love it. And so that would be my, my, yeah, that, that's, that's my magic bullet for you on that. All right. Thank you, sir. We, we really appreciate all your insight. You have a lot to, uh, to say on this topic and we're going to keep building our community and just wish you the best of luck building yours. And, um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Master Devils. Gentlemen, thank you all so much. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. And if there's anything I can ever do for you guys, please let me know. Uh, but I had such a great time training with you, sir, uh, at uh, with the, the Sourcey Seminars. And uh, hopefully we continue that relationship and we'll continue to to put each other in headlocks and choke each other out and, and have a good, <laughs> a good fun time training. <laughs> yes, sir. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. If you enjoyed that podcast, please consider liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel, as well as hitting the notification bell. We offer in-person group and private lessons at our facility in Kyle, Texas, as well as virtual lessons anywhere in the world. If you'd like to learn more about our programs, you can find us online at risingphoenixtkd.com.